What's going on, everybody? It's your boy B Date here for another podcast episode. Today I'm recording on November third. It is eight thirty-seven p.m. Um, so a lot of the early games just finished. Uh, but today I wanted to talk about the Eastern Conference hot starters, as you can tell by the title. I want to talk about four teams uh, who I think have done really, really well getting out of the gates. And one of these teams, in my opinion, show real, real promise as being um, a dark horse contender, or I guess a real deal contender if you don't want to, if you want to allow the dark horse part of it. Um, So without any further ado, let's get right into it. So the quote of the day today is a bar I heard from um, the Ultimate Rap League. If you're familiar, if you know, you know. If you don't, check it out, URLTV.tv. You can find a URL battle on YouTube, but that's not the point. The bar I heard uh, that would segue us into the first team I want to talk about was now, I feel like I'm Kobe White because I'm a backup on my bullshit. Okay, so basically, uh, the Chicago Bulls are back to being a good team. When people say Bulls are back, like last year, how we said the Knicks are back, we didn't mean it in the sense of, oh, they're back to competing for titles very soon um, or anything like that. We just mean they're back to being good. And that is a huge win in it of itself. I want people to understand how hard it is as a NBA franchise when you are bad and you've been bad for multiple multiple years, it's very hard to to get that swagger, to get that ethos out of your club, you know, of being a bad team. Um you look at it with the Lakers for a long time, in the latter years of Kobe's career into the few years right before we got LeBron, we were a bad team, man. Just like eight seed was our ceiling. We were scraping the bottom of the barrel, getting number two pick after number two pick after number two pick. And, you know, the Bulls are in a similar thing with the sense of they had been bad for quite a bit. So to see them get off to a six and two start, I'm recording this, like I said, uh, they just lost to the Sixers today. But. The fact that they are capable of getting off to a six and two start, strength of schedule be what it may, like through eight games to be six and two, that that's impressive. Um, and it all starts with their defensive backcourt, in my opinion. You have Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. Now Caruso doesn't start, but he plays and he closes games, which to me has always been more important than who starts. Um, and those two guys just really get into the ball. They pressure the ball well. They're great at um, off-ball defense as well, which is a skill in and of itself. Um, there are plenty of guys in this league who are really good on-ball defenders, but might fall asleep at the wheel defensively uh, off the ball um, because that's you know you're just naturally not going to be as engaged as you would be with your man dribbling right in front of you. You know what I mean? So 
the skill they have to be able to switch with each other, switch with their switch up and guard bigger dudes. Um, like I said, switch down and guard the shorter guards, the quicker guards. Those two guys really set the tone for me in terms of how good this team can be and how good this team has started. Then, obviously, let's not bury the lead. They acquired DeMar DeRozan in free agency. Um, a much maligned contract in terms of the three years, I believe it was $85 million. Um, and rightfully so, uh, well maligned. Like, there wasn't a huge bidding war for DeMar to where you had to pay him close to $30 million a year. But if we throw that aside and we just talk about DeMar DeRozan, the player, it's one of the best free agent signings to start this season, in my opinion. You know, they, there's been nothing but great return on DeMar. He was great again tonight against the Sixers. Um, it felt like he had every shot that he took. Um, he's a playmaker. And for those people who might not have watched him in the San Antonio years, He's turned himself into a very high-level playmaker in in isolation settings. Um, His isolation efficiency as a whole is rivaling that of James Harden, who has been viewed as the isolation god of this this new era of basketball. He's been like the guy you want to be like if you want high isolation efficiency. Well, DeMar DeRozan's numbers have been right there. So... I felt like that was a huge get for the other guy I'm going to talk about here, Zach Levine. He's a guy who has been maligned as being an empty stats dude or a guy who puts up good numbers on bad teams. And like that argument's always been kind of dumb to me because it's like someone has to score. And the fact that he can score 30 a night or 28 a night or whatever it is shouldn't be held against him because his team's bad. It's like they would be getting killed if he didn't play for them. And now, as you can see, you put good talent around them, guys who who are smart basketball players, which is the overarching theme I see of this team. The the three guys I mentioned before, all very smart basketball players. Um, and you pair that with Zach Levine, who doesn't have to carry the burden as much offensively. You're going to just get good returns. And it seems like this year he's actually played a little harder on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, which I've been a really big fan of watching. Um, and it shows in their their overall uh, advanced numbers. They're seventh in offensive rating, sixth in defensive rating. If you told any Bulls fan they'd be 6-2 through their first eight, um, beating teams like the Jazz, the Celtics on the road, and you know going down to the wire in all of the games that they've lost, um, it took a DeMar DeRozan miss mid-range to lose to the Knicks. And then the Sixers game, I think Seth Curry hit a very tough shot over Alex Caruso that um, ultimately caused them to lose. But it's just, it's a very, very good team. And I want people to understand, like, the only, there shouldn't be just the measure of success being, are you a title contender? They were a bad team for a long time, and they've worked their way into being a good team. And that ought to be commended. The next team I have here on my list is a team I think can really contend in the Eastern Conference. And if these this this group got out of the East and made it to the NBA Finals like they did a couple years ago, it would not shock me at all. And that is the scorching hot Miami Heat. Six and one start. 
I ended up going to the game they played here against the Mavericks on Tuesday night. And man, I was just so thoroughly impressed with their their unit. Um, they had four guys in double figures. Uh, no, pardon me. They had four guys over 20 points against the Mavericks. Hero, Lowry, Butler, and Bam. Um, and when I talk about those four guys and I throw on the addition of P.J. Tucker, to me, that's their best lineup. It's got the proper mix of defensive grit uh, with Tucker and Bam and Butler and even Lowry. Um, you've got the switchability because all those guys are like-sized and very tough. Um, you have the shooting with Hero, Lowry, and even T- Tucker if we're just talking corner threes only. Um, and then you have the the shot creation ability of a Butler if the play doesn't work and it just turns into an ISO fest for a couple possessions. Jimmy Butler is good enough to um, get to spots on the court that he feels very comfortable in. Um, in the mid-range area. Same thing with Tyler Hero. This year, he's been incredible, and he's been on a tear at that uh, high ball screen with Bam, snaking the pick and roll, uh, getting in front of his defender and just shooting that little mid-range jumper. You can tell that's something he's really tried to be intentional about in his work. Um, I'm just a really big fan of this team, man. Their six wins, all six of their wins this season have been by more than 13 points. And, you know, just for some context, last year, they only had 10 wins by 13 or more. So for that to already be six, seven games in, man, like you're doing something right offensively. You're 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 trying uh, to prove a point, in my opinion. And they're first in defensive rating, which is, you know, I don't think that would come as a shock to many people. In terms of the personnel on this team, the the, the starting five I li- or the the lineup I just listed with Bam, Lowry, Butler, Tucker anchoring your defense, uh, you bring in like a Markeith Morris and Dwayne Dedman off the bench. Um, so the defense isn't surprising. The second and offensive rating to me has been a very pleasant surprise. If you're a Heat fan, I I wasn't aware of how good. And how important Kyle Lowry still is at age 35. You know, I know he's a great player, but the fact that he can, still has his paw prints all over a game like this. Um, and it's not even in the traditional sense of he's running every high ball screen. Uh, guys are doubling him and he's making the right play, making the right pass. It looks very different. It's skipping it up into transition in transition when Bam's got a half step on the big that's supposed to be guarding him. Or... Um, setting an off-ball screen for Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero um, so they can get an extra half a second of space to get their shots off. It, it's it's very different. It's not your traditional AAU imprint on a game. He He's a guy who just makes winning plays. He sacrifices his body defensively. And, you know, he just fits right in with what they're trying to do and what they've kind of built there in Miami. Um, I don't want to use the cliche term of, you already know what I'm going to say about them. So, um, But no, he does fit right in with what they're trying to do and what they're trying to achieve. You mix that in with the fact that they 
are just tough as nails. Like I mentioned, Tucker, Butler, Bam, Lowry, Hero even, who's a really good rebounder for his position. Um, Markeith Morris, Dwayne Dedman, Caleb Martin, you know. These guys are, are all tough, all gritty dudes. I do think they're probably a player short as a, at the moment in terms of just enough depth to kind of get them through, see them through the season. Maybe a player short to see them through the... Uh, through the um, the tougher series against your Brooklyn's, against your Milwaukee's. But in the playoffs at the same time, rotations get cut anyway. And they have seven guys who I trust enough um, who aren't negatives, you know. That's, that's really what you want in the playoffs. You don't want everyone – obviously, you want everyone to be a positive, but you know that's not going to happen in reality. You just don't want too many negatives. Or if you want – or if you have a negative, he has to be uh, providing something on the other end, like spacing. So like Duncan Robinson, for example, in the Mavericks game, he didn't have a great game. You know, he got into foul trouble. Luka was kind of switch hunting him a bit. Um, no worries. We'll just bring Hero on and we'll make that our, our lineup to close. And when Luka goes for the same switches on Hero, it's not that Hero's a great defender, but he's not a negative one. And he can just provide a little more resistance and that's all you can ask for when you're going to go up against some of the top guys in the east like your Durant's and your Harden's or your Giannis's or even your Joel Embiid's man I think they just have the right blend of guys to kind of cover all positions they have the point of attack defender in Lowry they have the wing defenders in Butler and Tucker and then they have a big who can switch and can protect the rim and bam. I, I really like this team. I was wrong about them in my, my preview. Um, I still do think they might need one more guy uh, to kind of take the load off these dudes when when the going gets tough. But I was really impressed with last night um, against the Mavs. And I'm going to be keeping them on my contender radar uh, for the near future. And then the last team here on my radar, Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I know I said four teams in the intro. The other team I wanted to talk about was the Raptors. Um, I've been impressed with their start. They have six wins through nine games. Uh, Scotty Barnes, their rookie, is looking like they made the right choice in the draft. Um, a lot of people were talking about should should have been Jalen Suggs there. Um, Scotty Barnes is proving that the Raptors front office knows what they're doing. Um, so I don't want to go too far in depth with them, but I do want to show them some love. Um, so Raptors fans, shout out to you guys, shout out to your team, you're six and three without Pascal Siakam. Um, it's very impressive. Um, but as we dive into the Sixers here, uh, six and two, they just beat the Bulls. Um, number one offensive team in the league, you know, and, and this year I, I'm, I'm bullish on it because, um, you know, with no Ben Simmons on the court, Joel's got a little more room to operate. Crazy how that works, right? It's not like we've been saying that for three years. Um, their defense has obviously slipped, so I don't want to make this a one-way street against Ben Simmons where it's just like, oh, see, they're way better if you just don't replace them at all. That's obviously false. Um, but the fact that they're the number one offense as opposed to where they normally have been in his tenure, where they're like around 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, uh, for them to be number one is a testament to just the improved spacing they have without them. 
Um, Seth Curry has been great. He's got four 20-point games uh, in this season already through eight games. Um, and they have seven guys who average double figures this season. So the number one in offense feels good to me. It feels It feels a little bit more sustainable than little flashes that they would have last season or the season before because it's it's a myriad of of guys who can score it's a balance um my guy Tyrese Maxey has been great uh Seth Curry who I mentioned George's Niang is averaging double figures this season um but even your Cork Mosses and your Shake Milton's guys who we felt weren't quite enough last season have been a lot better to start this season um and you know for them to beat the Bulls no Tobias Harris I think that was a very impressive win for them, man. So I'm liking what I'm seeing from Philly. They're always going to be a little scary when your best player is as injury prone as Joel has shown he he is. Um, But there feels like a little FU in this team this year. Like, oh, we don't really need Ben. Like, Ben's great. I don't think we need him how you guys say we need him. Um, I feel like there's a little bit of that within – you know, the the other really good players on Philly. So it, it's been cool to watch them compete. Their defense, like I said, has slipped quite a bit. That's naturally going to happen when you lose a top three defender in the league. This is not an anti-Ben Simmons thing. It's just an observation of what I've seen, that their offense is a little more fluid. Um, Doc's done a great job trusting some more people in his rotation this season. Um, Isaiah Joe's getting a little more minutes. Niang, who I mentioned, Drummond's actually been really good for them as a backup big. Um, so I'm impressed. I Ultimately, if I had to rank those three teams in terms of contention, Philly would probably be only slightly ahead of the Bulls just because they have the best player out of these three teams. But I would put Miami as a bigger threat to the Nets and, and Bucks than I would Philly. But I just want to show some love to these three teams in the East doing their thing. The Raptors make four. Um, Thank you guys for listening to this quick little episode. Let me know what you guys think. Who's been overachieving? Do you think all of these teams are real? Do you think these are just hot starts due to whatever reason? Or do you think there's some substance here? Let me know what you think. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I appreciate the support. B-Date, logging out, and I will see y'all in the next one.